Welcome to the March 21st edition of the PFF forecast. There's a lot of madness going on. A lot of madness. My bracket's completely toast. I had Illinois. I went to a Jesuit school. Somehow I managed to not get that one right. It's you went to a school that had Loyola in the name. Even. I know. It's, it's embarrassing. It's honestly even... embarrassing. <laughs> so bad. So we're going to stick to football here on this podcast. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk um, free agency, the three best moves. We're going to give a little gambling spin to it. Talk some division odds, three worst moves. We may go overboard on the three. Uh, but we're going to try and set ourselves to that number. We've got NFC South. It's our last division uh, to guess the win totals of. That'll be a lot of fun. And then there are a few new draft props and some updated uh, draft props lines since the last time we talked. It's about to be officially draft season. So it's going to be a great podcast. Let's rock. All right. Um, I said we're going to stick to football, so let's stick to football. We're not going to do any. I'm sure there's like 40 podcasts that have sprung up just for March Madness. We're not one of them. No. One of the things, interestingly, George, let's take a victory lap on one thing. Okay. We said on this show that the wide receiver market would be soft. Mm -hmm. And it's been soft. Like Kenny Galladay's contract being 18 million APY and everybody throwing their hands up about it because Juju signed for one year eight and apparently turned down two of the best teams in the league to go back to Pittsburgh. Like, I feel like we nailed that. The Kenny Galladay contract, it's so interesting because I read the spin zone on all of these things is so, it's just incredible. You know, if the agent, if the agent writes the tweet for whoever it is, it sounds like this person has just been made the King of England. And if, you know, it's someone trying to talk about the cap uh, sensibility or lack thereof, it's like this, you know, this deal is horrendous. And um, it, so it's very interesting. Like the Trent Williams deal turns out to be basically a three-year deal with then options on the back end. And the Kenny, Kenny Galladay deal, it was like, I, I forget who it was that wrote this, but they were like, it's very similar to what Odell Beckham Jr. got when the cap was around this high. It was like 178. And I was like, okay, but there's a difference here. Like we understand that the cap is going to go up. You know, there's this huge TV deal that's being announced. I think this says more about receivers that can be drafted that are going to, that people expect to be very good. And I think a little bit about Kenny Galladay, don't you think? What do you think about Kenny Galladay that you like that, that just, the just Giants the way, view him as a one? I, like a one, one, like a, this guy is everything to everybody? Well, no, I was going to say the opposite. I, I was going to say, I, I think that, um, that, that not enough teams viewed him in that way. And I'm not sure, you know, I think he's a very, very good wide receiver. Like where, where do you put him right now? If you were ranking wide receivers, where'd you put Kenny Galladay? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, the fact that the giants and the bears were competing for him, you know, tells you something. Cause like they're teams that like, I would say don't necessarily have it figured out. Mm-hmm. So, but the fact that there was more than one team willing to bid that price up to what it was, um, you know, it means something. I, I'd more put him in that 15 range, I guess, 13, 15 um, for wide receivers. Obviously, I like separation more than I like 
um, jump ball ability because I think separation is a more stable trait. But at the same time, like, you know, I, it's he, he's a physical guy and he can do a lot of a lot of good things. It, it's a big price, though. And, and I just don't know with Daniel Jones and that offensive line, whether that's going to be all that. It, whether it's going to have the impact we think it does. Um, and I think the same thing for Smith Schuster. I think Smith Schuster is going to look back at his contract with the Steelers and be a little bit upset about it because it, especially Kansas city just seemed like a, like that's a slam dunk. You're getting all the Sammy Watkins stuff underneath. You might get a little bit of stuff over the top. And, and now like you're going to Pittsburgh where big Ben's just trying to get rid of it. 2.17. I am. I was shocked by that. I was shocked I honestly, this is this is probably not the reason, but when I heard took a huge pay cut to stay with Pittsburgh, I was like, yeah, bullshit, okay? Bullshit. That's complete and utter horse crap. There's no way anyone t- is taking a huge pay cut to stay in Pittsburgh. I've been to Pittsburgh, lovely place, wonderful wonderful town, great people. Um, our own Ben Lindsay from Pittsburgh. There's anyhow. a joke in there that we just can't say, though. Yeah, I mean- yeah. Uh, I, got, I came close. Um, couldn't, couldn't go all the way, but um that's complete crap I thought this was I would have gone to Baltimore and I think I gotta be honest with you I think one of the reasons Juju didn't go to Baltimore is because he'd have to play Pittsburgh twice a year (laughs) and I know that sounds ridiculous but I honestly think they would have turned on him so quickly and that poor guy would have been decapitated going over the middle of the field you know to get his four yard slant for his eighth catch of the game for 32 yards and it would not have been pretty um, why he didn't go to Kansas city. I have absolutely no idea. If I were a receiver, I would have been praying to go to Kansas city for a year. Like praying. Well, and now, and now you look and like, they're clearly looking for sort of like, there's a type, right? I, I mm-hmm. threw out the names of T Y hey, Hilton. Who do you think? Yeah. Give Adam me your, Humphreys. give me your, give me your guys. I think it's going to be a bigger guy. I think it's going to be like somebody like Josh Reynolds. Ultimately, like really a, a guy who's like six, three, one ninety. Um, I've been doing a hashtag, a little research on this runs faster on the field than he does. than his 40 mm-hmm. time with jet, like guys like that who are a value. Right. Um, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit with Tyus Bowser uh, with a signing too, where there are some guys who like, we, we found this out and I think well, kudos to Brad for saying this long, you know, a few weeks ago and doing it, using his research this summer draft stock and priors dragged along with all of oh, these players God. this week. Leonard Floyd. I think like, so, so for Kansas city, like they're, they're a smallish team on offense. Edwards layer small. Kelsey's a small tight end, like physically Hill, uh, Hardman, even Watkins to be that big receiver is small They I think they're looking for size. And that's why I think they wanted Smith Schuster. Um, I think they bypass guys like Hilton, Adam Humphreys, guys like that. I think that they're going to go more of a more physical guy, or maybe just the number two tight end who can get scores. Like I, I think Darren Fells, by the way, Darren Fells is the sixth highest graded player in the red zone over the last two years. It's like 14 to 17 with 10 touchdowns. Like, I think, like, I think they go more that direction. Juju would have fit in really nicely with them, but unfortunately like it's crazy, but like, I don't think he had much of a market, but then he chooses it. Like he kind of just like went on tilt went back to Pittsburgh. It's weird. Did you see, did you see the comment where he was like, yeah, I love Sam Donald. I'd love to see Sam Donald in uh, in Pittsburgh. I mean, I love Big Ben, but you know, I mean, I mean, it, it, it'll be interesting to see who the next quarterback is because it, it ain't going to be as good as what he was going to have in um, in Kansas City, and probably not as good as what he'd have in in Baltimore either. Like, obviously, Lamar Jackson is great, but just throwing 
Having, um, Baltimore having a wide receiver who could take passes in that inner that like short range and turn them yeah. into eight nine yard gains is really what they need, right? They don't. The weird thing about the Ravens is they don't have a robust passing game to the running backs, right? Even though they have talented running backs, their tight end is more. They, their tight ends aren't even like short receivers. Their tight ends are sort of middle of the field, high A dot guys, and obviously they have Hollywood going over the top with kind of like mediocre hands underneath like they the juju would have fit in well with them too like it's 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 an unreal um projection on juju's part he must know something about who he must like Dwayne Haskins no comment uh I do want to take so the Kenny G uh, Kenny Galladay stuff we talked about the the NFC least last week and um I I'm still I'm on still all aboard on the Washington football team at three to one the Cowboys are uh, plus 100 Eagles plus 425 the Giants still uh, behind the Eagles somehow at plus 500 um, and I, I don't think you know Kenny Galladay is moving that number a ton I will say this I think it is kind of absurd that the Giants have a have longer odds than the Eagles uh oh you, you mean like they're Division. They have a, a lower probability to win the NFC. Yeah, they're plus five hundred. The Eagles are. Plus yeah, the Eagles are a tank, man. The Eagles, the right? Eagles, like there's the Eagles will not in unintent like they they by the way got a great signing this weekend or Friday. Yes. I can't remember yeah. when Anthony I was doing a serious show, but they got Anthony Harris. It's a great signing for them. Yeah. But they're not in any position. I mean, and nor do they want to be. Right? Like, I I, I yes. can't. I would take the Giants in a win total like prop over the over Eagles, the Eagles. Yes. quite a bit just because of the incentives. Like the Giants, have, you know, at this point, Joe Judge hey. has a bigger incentive to win games than – than. Uh, Say what you want about Joe Judge. Does. Say what you want about Joe Judge. And we may laugh at what he says in press conferences. It's still better than whatever the heck the Eagles are putting out there. Um, I will also say this. People got very mad at me. I said, look, I would bet the football team three to one. In fact, I think if I had to pick between them and the Cowboys right now, I'd pick them. And um, and I, I mentioned that Fitzpatrick is a pretty darn good quarterback, you know, to put in there. And I, I looked this up, man. Like he has as many top 10 graded seasons as Dak does over the last three years. Their grades are actually very similar. Now, I would rather have Dak. I think Dak is on the on the upward swing. I completely agree. I'd rather have Dak, right? But my point was simply that that was a really good team that had horrible quarterback play and Fitzpatrick has played pretty darn well. He's been in that 10 to 15 range over the past three seasons and has been on some really bad teams. And this team will be a little bit better. Um, But that division is still interesting. Let's uh, let's go to these three, three moves that we like the most. Why don't you kick us off? Okay. My favorite move um, is the aforementioned Tyus Bowser four years, 22 million to go back to Baltimore. This just shows, I think, a really good understanding of the game of football uh, on the part of the Ravens. So they they have, you know, they have two edge rushers who are relatively productive last year in Matthew Judon and Yannick Ngakwe. Um, and they opt to, to, to keep two edge rushers who are, on a per play basis, every bit as effective in Pernell McPhee and ties with relatively no money. I mean, four years, 22 million for a starting edge player in the NFL, um, one with a second round pedigree and really good, like 
you know, he is explosive. You look at all the metrics and stuff. He's great. He's like the, you know, when the Bears signed Pernell McPhee away from the Ravens in 2015, it was sort of a similar thing where you had relatively few snaps, but very productive. And now the Ravens knowing that, you know, this sort of the opposite of one of these bad signings I'll talk about. The Ravens know that they put a, they put certain players in great positions to succeed. One of them is their offensive linemen, which that's why Orlando, that's why they're not rushing to give Orlando Brown what he wants, but also edge players, right? Matthew Judon, Yannick Ngakwe, very much a product of a system where the defensive backs make it easier on the, on the edge defenders to get home. And so they take a guy who I think is every bit as talented and instead of paying them 13 million a year, which is what Yannick Ngakwe got from the Raiders, or the, I believe, 16 million a year, which is Matthew Judon got from the Patriots. New England Patriots, they go ahead and give about five and a half to Bowser. Well, I was going to say one of my least favorite signings was the Judon signing by the Patriots. I, I thought that the Patriots did one of the worst jobs of spending a lot of money that I've seen. I, I felt like the Patriots, <laughs> the Patriots did this. The Patriots won the lottery, had all this cap space. And instead of going and buying like nice things, you know, like going to Neiman Marcus or, you know, the Mercedes dealership, they went to Target. Uh, just, yeah. just, just give me all the pink Barbie Jeeps that you've got. <laughs> well, and the, the interesting thing is it just shows a lack of trust. Like it looks like they're on tilt because honestly, they haven't drafted well in a long time. But Josh Yushi was actually a good pick. If you look at his pass rushing statistics last year, if you look at like his get off rate, all that kind of stuff, he was actually a good player in that Kyle Van Noy sort of role. And, and what do they do? Instead of being like, oh, we actually hit on this one. Let's press this lock. They say, no, no, no. We're going to make sure that we get this thing right by signing Judon 16 and then re-signing Kyle Van Noy. So what is Yushi, Yushi going to do? Is he going to play a lot? Is he going to be... Like a, a player who, like, to me, it makes you... It so just put him on offense. It just shows a, an un, a misunderstanding, I think, of sort of like the last 10 drafts, everybody's going to be like, oh, the Patriots suck. No, yeah. the Patriots got unlucky in those drafts to, to a large degree. There's nothing system, systemic about poor drafting, really. And oh, instead of, like, just being, like, just kind of trusting your process and going through that, they were like, even in a situation where they hit on a draft pick, they're already moving on from that. Like it's yeah, weird it's, to me. it's very interesting. And your, and your point is great. And we'll talk about that more as we get into the draft and explain it more for anyone that's new listening to this podcast, but like your greatest uh, skill in the draft is be, having the humility to draft a lot <laughs> and not think that, you know, more than the system. Um, because honestly it, it, it shows that it's basically luck at, at that point. Um, I, so I'm going to move around my three to kind of correlate with what you're talking about. Cause one of mine, is, is from this same division, the AFC North, and I pulled up their odds. Ravens plus 110. This is from DraftKings on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Cleveland Browns plus 175. The Steelers, who we just talked about, plus 350. And the Bengals are 25 to 1. Okay. Jo uh, John Johnson, the third. Cleveland, safety, three years, 34 million. And I contrasted this with what I thought. I'd, look, I liked what the Ravens did with Tyus Bowser, but let's be very real. The Ravens' offense is still a huge, a huge question mark. And the Ravens have done nothing to address the fact that their offensive weapons, aside from Lamar Jackson and running back, are not good, okay? And what the Cleveland Browns are doing is continuing to understand, I think, what wins football games, which is dynamic kind of positionless football on the defensive end, uh, on the defensive side of things, and a really well-schemed offense. 
And so I love that signing. It was one of my favorites. It happened day one. And if I look at these odds, I, I really like the Browns plus 175, especially in relation to what the Ravens did. Neither of them did anything super splashy, but I thought one team got um, substantially better. John Johnson, the guy that wore the green dot with the best defense in the NFL, aside from his injury shortened season, has been a top safety, um, fourth highest graded coverage grade among safeties last year. Um, Brandon Staley talked about this guy like he was Jesus Christ walking on water when he went on the uh, Chris Collinsworth and Richard Sherman podcast, which, by the way, great listen. Um, so I, I love that signing. Yeah, Johnson was one of mine. Um, it's really hard to make a case. If you talk about smartest teams in the NFL, I think everybody gravitates towards Baltimore, which is, I think, fair. But it's really hard to um, leave out Cleveland. I mean, the moves that they've made, especially since Stefanski got there um, and Andrew Barry got there. Um, I'm giving Quezzy all the credit. And Quezzy, too. Um, you know, it's extremely like they get, they just give themselves a shot. Like it doesn't mean Baker's going to work out, but they give themselves a shot. Um, another team that I think you have to lump into that very smart category made it way one of my three favorite signings as well, uh, in, uh, aside from Bowser and Johnson, and that's Emmanuel Sanders. I think yeah. getting him at six million a year um, to replace John Brown, he's more of a he he. I, I think he's more durable than John Brown. He's a down the field player, maybe not quite as fast. He's, he's more um, dynamic, but, right? Like Emmanuel Sanders yeah, would do more, more all things. around for yeah. sure. Um, and he gives Josh Allen, when you look at that offense, you still have Beasley, you still have um, Gabriel Davis. Um, I believe, is that, did the Zach Ertz thing fall through or? Uh, it has not happened yet. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they still probably need a tight end, but they play a lot of 10 personnel anyway. Uh, and they have running backs who can break tackles, especially like their offense is just really complete. Um, and I think Sanders does a good job of, of going in and completing that, that, that group. You're doing a great job. We didn't we didn't uh, talk about this beforehand, but we're just rolling through the divisions um, in uh, in great order here. I loved that um, the Bills brought in Sanders, but I'm going to go to the Dolphins and what they did bring in Will Fuller one year, ten million dollars. And I look at this here: the Patriots are now plus three fifty, as are the Miami Dolphins. And I don't want to be I don't want to be this guy where I go, look, the Bills added Stephon Diggs and look what happened to Josh Allen. Okay? I don't want to be that guy and then go put that on another team. But I do want to remind people that the Miami Dolphins receivers were Fitz receivers. They were, give me a shot, put it up there, throw well into contested situations. Mm -hmm. And Tua is a, let me find the guy that's going to get open. But if guys aren't getting open, especially over the middle of the field and down the football field, he's not going to look good. And I think this signing, Will Fuller, now he's got to play ten plus games, but and he he's not gonna he's not gonna be Stephon Diggs. But he was he had an eighty seven PFF grade last year. This guy was a bona fide number one receiver, not top five, maybe like Stephon Diggs, but a bona fide number one receiver. To get him for ten million dollars, to see what Tua gives you, because if you're gonna stick with Tua, you can't not know. And so whether they stick with Tua or if they go out and get another quarterback, I love this move. And I think I would bet the Dolphins plus 350 right now, especially given that the Patriots are also plus 350. I just think the Dolphins are a much deeper team. Um, with and the, the Jets might be a year away, so they're not really a contender. There. They're 15 to one. Yeah. Even Bills are I, minus I like, 55. I honestly think the Jets are moving in, 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 the, right ways, in the right direction. Carl Lawson. Well, I think 
pro, you know, I, I, I still like Bowser at five and a half million a year more than I like Lawson at 15. Lawson at 15 is not terrible at all either. Um, I, I like that. I, you know, one of the other things to think about if you are Miami, you're picking at three because Houston gave that pick to you for Laramie Tunsil. The, the thought process might be to take Sewell there, which I don't hate. You know, obviously offensive tackles we found mm-hmm. are extremely expensive when they're elite in Trent Williams. But trading back or even just staying there and taking Jamar Chase it is not a bad move. You know, if you're going to buy into Tua, really buy into Tua and, and take a guy like Chase and then your three wide receiver sets look like Fuller, Chase, Devontae Parker. By the way, two of those three receivers have had historically injury riddled careers, but have all had good ceilings. You not only give yourself, uh, you know, top end stuff, but you also raise your floor a little bit by putting three wide receivers uh, as your starters um, that are all great. And even if one of them gets hurt, you have two great receivers and guys like Mm -hmm. Preston Williams and and the often aforementioned Jakeem Grant behind them. Like it's a good, that would make for a pretty great offense. I I like that path. I also really like the trade down with a quarterback hungry team and grab, if not chase who I honestly, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he fell to them, if they trade down with, you know, say a team that's trying to get past the Eagles or something. Um, and, and you go to, you know, if you get to, if you can get in that, like, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 range, you get yeah. another receiver. Um, Jamar Chase, by the way. Um, now, is it minus 250 almost, now? Almost neck and neck with Jalen Waddle, I believe, to go first wide receiver take. No, it was, it was Devontae Smith. And that market has, has widened quite a bit. I think Chase is much, is like minus 225 to be the yeah. first wide receiver taken. If you will listen to us, could have got him at like minus 150 on this show. Um, but I, I think that that one, I, I think he's probably better than 50-50 get to go in the top six picks even, um, let alone be the number one wide receiver. I want to give you my last uh, of my three favorites. And I, I, this was a tough one to pick, but I liked it because it was one team's blunder and another team's uh, great pickup. And this is oh, yeah. Kyle, this is Denver grabbing Kyle Fuller. I mean, this is the for Chicago- less than what the Vikings got. Patrick, Patrick Peterson, Peterson. for us. Unbelievable. I mean, it's, this is, this is just uh, incompetence. I, I do not know, you know, the bears are a wreck and the Broncos are a really good team. They're a really good team and they just need to have not one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah. I am. I'm a little disappointed that the Broncos didn't go try and get like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, I'm a little disappointed that they have not been a little more active. I don't know if that means they're going to do something in the draft, but they have to, man. They cannot, they are such a good team that if they roll in with Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, KJ Hamler, Noah Fant, and then a defense that has um, Kyle Fuller, Justin Simmons, Vaughn Miller, even I'll throw Bradley Chubb in there. And then you roll out Drew freaking Locke. Nothing against your luck, but he's just fact of the matter is like one of the lowest graded quarterbacks in the NFL last year. But I love this move because Kyle Fuller is a guy, Vic Fangio was clearly the key in Chicago comes over to Denver. He's grabbing all his guys. Um, and I expect Kyle Fuller to be fantastic in, in Fangio system. Once again, Broncos are 14 to one Raiders are 13 to one chargers are five to one. The chiefs are minus 400 to win that division. Minus 400, by the way, bigger than it was last week. So d- despite all the moves, yeah. people laying the number with the Chiefs, even though 
last week we said like I don't hate Denver at 14 to no. one. I don't like the Chargers where their currently their current number is. I think they're a little overrated, but 14 to one. The Denver Broncos are a quarterback away, really. I mean, it, it'll be interesting. I we talked about this, I think, on the on the serious show, me and Austin. If you are the Denver Broncos, let's say you have to settle for the fourth best quarterback in the draft. There are actually two really distinct choices, mm-hmm. and it might be a different choice depending upon the team you are. Would you take Mac Jones and the sort of like he's probably ready to play and be competent day one and get you competitive? Or do you take Trey Lance at knowing that it's probably more like a Mahomes like trajectory and that he probably has to sit a year or six games or eight games or whatever before he, but his ceilings way higher, which one do you choose given that you're Denver? And even though you're sort of ready to win, you're also in a division that's going to be really tough to win. Even if you are ready. I was told there would be no uh, SAT questions on this podcast. This is a really fascinating question because thank you you're welcome because as a as a 14 to 1 Denver Broncos better I would take Mac Jones because I think Mac Jones gives you a better shot this year and because they have four like they have a really nice receiving core I mean Cortland Sutton Jerry Judy Noah Fant KJ Hamler that's awesome and so if you get a guy that can throw accurately and understand route concepts which is what Mac Jones does you could be a really good team um Oh man, I would need to know more. I think if you're the Broncos, you need to do all of your homework on Trey Lance. You need to put him through the ringer if you possibly can understand his intelligence because you're going to ask Trey Lance to come in and learn. And you have to gauge whether he's a guy that is confident in his own ability to learn and whether he can do that. And if so, I'm always, you know, I'm always the guy that likes the the high ceiling. You know this. Um, Because I think the answer is different if you're San Francisco. I'll go. So my answer is for Denver, it's Trey Lance. And it's one of those where all those players on your team, except for the Fullers and the Sim, all the Simmons just got signed. The window is actually relatively wide for you on Mm -hmm. offense, which is really Mm -hmm. all that matters. So I would take Trey Lance. If I'm San Francisco, I'd take Mac Jones because the window is, is narrower. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. Um, I, you, you got me thinking about something, and this may, this may kibosh us getting through more of our least and, and favorite picks. But the smartest teams in the NFL, as you see them, like what's our top three? If we were to say, because I, oh, I, I, I do think two of them are in, this, are in the AFC North. Yeah, no, it's, I think, okay, this is my, my opinion. I think the actual hard question is who's four, five, six? Because I think one, two, three is Buffalo, Baltimore, Cleveland. Yep, we're in, we're in strong agreement there. But I think four, you can make a case for. Um, you can make a case for Indianapolis. You can make a case. I think you can make for, case for Miami. You can make a case for Miami very much. By the way, these are all AFC teams, which is kind of crazy this to think about. Um, I, I I will say this I, to put an NFC team in there. Jason Lick does not get enough credit um for what he's done in tampa bay with you know um what how he's approached the draft um and their team and free agency shaq barrett was signed for four million bucks you know it's like and and no and that's a good one um i'm trying to think of an nfc team 
and it's actually you know, really it's, difficult. It, it's fascinating. I would I would really like to put maybe the, Philly, but Philly's lost. Philly's lost some of their cachet in that regard, given how much it sort of is, yeah, they're, has they're struggling there. A bit. You know, years. I think the Cowboys. Have, the funny thing is, the Cowboys have all the resources to be. The Cowboys should be, and um, you know, some a lot of their moves are. They counter. have smart people that work for them. I just yeah. don't know necessarily if they're being yep. listened to as much. But that, I mean, those are. That's a great question, and and it, the I think that the um, this is what I'll always say. If you're thirty second, the distance between you and one is pretty big, but the distance between you and five is smaller than in any other major sport. It's, uh, it's so true, and that's exactly what this conversation is illustrating. We got one through three, easy, and four, five, six is. But if, you, if you're thirty really in Major tough. League Baseball, if you're the least analytically inclined team in Major League Baseball. You're a decade away from five, I think. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I, I, so that that's a, what's cool about football is like there's going to be a team that sort of sneaks up on us relatively soon. Like Buffalo, it wasn't that long, wasn't that long you know. Ago, like, yeah. and, and 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 I'll I'll say this one last thing before we move on. Tanking works. Everybody says tanking. Remember that our first year of of studying football together, George, 2017, the Bills played the Vikings first preseason game Mm -hmm. the next day. They traded Sammy Watkins to the Rams. They traded Ronald Darby to the Eagles. And everybody said, this team is tanking, right? And they even failed the tank by Tyrod Taylor playing too well. And and they tried to insert Nathan Peterman against San Diego with those seven interceptions or whatever. Oh, they inserted him. They couldn't even put him, they couldn't even put, him in there to complete the tank. They make the playoffs, so they have to trade up for Josh Allen, trade up for mm-hmm. Tremaine Edwards, and look at where that team is now. And then you look at a team in their division, Miami, who in 2019 was tanking. Mm-hmm. And now, right, 10 and 6 the next year, and a team right now where I think a lot of people, if you say, what are some of the the most the bright spots in the NFL? Dolphins are a decent, are in a decent place. Tanking works. No, it's a great point. Um, I, I'm going to give you a couple of my my least favorites, and we'll move on. You can give me a couple of yours too. Um, the, the Joe Thune one signing a guard for that much money, I just I can't I can't get behind it. I can't respect it. Um, I, I have no idea what um, five years, eighty million dollars is doing. I for think there's a, a I position. think there's a chance they'll play him at center or tackle, but um, but but that's a projection, and and unfortunately, um, kept them. It didn't keep them out of the Trent Williams thing, but it made them less aggressive, right? Like you know, yeah. they they I, pushed at that for a while and ultimately had to pull out because it was yeah. going to be too much. I do think it's interesting. You mentioned this with the big wide receiver for the for the Chiefs. The Chiefs, to me, I think, are reacting not just to what happened up front, but overall they were bullied physically, and and so I think that's you know that's what they're. I'll, the moves I'll are say making. this about the Chiefs in defense of them, even though I don't agree with the Tooney signing. They, if you watch what's happening with Seattle and you watch what's happening in Houston, it's clear that a huge contract is not enough to make your star quarterback happy. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the pursuit of wide receivers and offensive linemen, even if they're negative EV, is does add some positive EV in the sense that Mahomes, like the, a lot of the Chiefs, I think worldview over the next ten years is centered on continuously being able to go to Mahomes for cap relief like that contract can, mm-hmm. and they did it this year and if your quarterback is happy and and with the understanding that you're consistently making the trying to make the team better and and sort of in in a sort of LeBron way where like he kind of runs the show 
I think that there's a little bit of value there that maybe we're not picking up on, even if all those in like Joe Tooney is a negative EV move, right? 100%. Yeah. I get where you're coming from. You're making the quarterback happy. I, uh, I think that's a really, that's a really rose colored glasses. It's the only way, way that I can explain things. this move. Yeah. It's a phenomenally rose colored glasses way of looking at things. I can't believe that you're a Chiefs fan. I'm shocked that you, a Chiefs supporter, has come up with this incredible but, uh, spin zone on signing a guard for $80 million. I, I don't want to talk more about it. We've already belabored that point. I want to give you okay, one more. My least favorite signing. I got two. I got a high price one and I got a low price one. Boom. Hit me. The low price one that's awful is Gerard Davis to the Jets. Yeah, he's just not Gerard Davis is a minimum contract player. I'm sorry. Like, and especially in a Salah defense, you need to be able to cover and he can't cut. Co- he can blitz. That's it. He's a, he is a, he is a Bill Belichick minimum contract linebacker. Um, and then the, the other one is Bud Dupree. I think Bud Dupree is an, I think that's an awful signing. Yeah. You know, I hope it works out for, for big Bud. <laughs> for anyone who's uh, unfamiliar your boy Bud Dupree decided to take to Twitter to call me an idiot for saying the Steelers were overrated. Tears ACL, Steelers, it turns out, very overrated. And now he's going to go to a Titans. Now he's going to have to carry a Tennessee defense. It's an awful is, lot lighter without. Uh, are you ready? The Tennessee Titans are going to be overrated this season. You're welcome. Yeah. It just, it, it's tough. It's sorry. I'm, I hate, I don't, I don't want to do it. I don't want to, but I have to. Is that, are they going to be the worst defense in football? They're going to be atrocious. They're not going to be very good on offense either, I don't think. Um, the the signing that I want to talk about, because I have a spin zone for it, is this Kenyon Drake signing. Like paying a guy, was it's going to be what? I think top 13 um, running back money. So the Raiders signed Kenyon Drake. They have Brandon Jacobs. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out. You said Brandon Jacobs, but it's the same thing. Oh, Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs. <laughs> Brandon Jacobs is a former all- Niners great. Yeah, an all-time great like running back that was tantalizing and frustrating. I can't believe I'm Brandon Jacobs. Uh, Josh Jacobs. Okay, they have Josh Jacobs. They go get Kenyon Drake, and it's like this makes no sense. But I have a spin zone for you here. Are the Raiders setting themselves up to put Josh Jacobs and Derek Carr and on the market on picks and ship them to Seattle for Russell Wilson? Seattle. Houston, Houston could use another running back. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, well, all I'm getting at is that that to me is the only way that signing yeah. makes sense is if Josh Jacobs is now a part of a deal. And for some unknown reason, you feel like you need a veteran running back in there. Um, but I, that to me is what the Raiders have to be trying to do, whether they can get it done or not. I don't know. Then you go bring in Richard Sherman too. You're a win now team in Vegas. I mean, they are a team that is young, but man, if they can find a way to start being competitive now, um, I think they got to do it. So uh, that was a terrible signing that could work out uh, in the long run. That's my, um, that's my rose colored glasses. Nice. Part of the podcast for you. Nice. Before we get to the NFC South win totals, and they are worth waiting for, got to tell you about a couple of great opportunities. The first is at pff.com, where through the next two days, you can get 30% off with the promo code FREEAGENCY30. 30% off any annual subscription for a first-time subscriber. That includes PFF Edge, which gives you all the premium content, gives you all the fantasy rankings from that comes around. But the big thing gets you right now, it gets you all of 
the uh, free agency information, the free agency big board, uh, the live deal grader, all the live analysis, live fantasy analysis, and the NFL draft guide, which of course you have to have for draft season. Elite gives you all of that, plus all the betting dashboards, the props tool, the DFS optimizer. And if you get an annual subscription, it takes you all the way through next year, baby. So go get one of those, whichever you like the most for 30% off promo code FREEAGENCY30 on pff.com. But don't wait, because it'll be over before you know it. What else will be over before you know it is the NCAA tournament. And so DraftKings Sportsbook, our great sponsor and the DraftKings Sportsbook app has got a deal for you. Use promo code PFF when you sign up and you'll have an opportunity to bet $1 on any tournament game. And if your team wins, you pick the winner, you get $100. And then you go take that $100 and you go bet it on division uh, odds, which are just completely inefficient right now. It's an awesome opportunity. Go make it happen. If you don't like college basketball, that's okay. You can do the same for UFC 260. There are select fighters who have that same 100 to 1 odds. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF when you sign up and get these great deals. You must be 21 or older in Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania. Only new customers are the only ones who are applicable. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. To make a gambling problem, call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And one more great opportunity to tell you about. We have partnered with Symbol. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L. And that you can find them at symbol.app um, slash PFF. Or if you use the promo code PFF and deposit $10, you get a free PFF annual subscription. But let me tell you what this is. It's basically the stock market with sports teams. It's awesome. You get to pick stocks, except they represent sports teams. So you can pick, for example, the Washington football team. If you think they are doing really well and you want to buy stock in them, what Symbol will do is actually pay you a dividend every time that team wins a game. So not only can the stock price go up because other people want to buy it and then you can sell it, but you'll also make money if your team does well. It's super easy to understand unlike the stock market and it's on sports which is way better than random ass companies that you know nothing about that are probably cheating you out of your money anyways so go to symbol.app slash pff use promo code pff get a free pff annual subscription for just a ten dollar deposit it's easy money it's a lot of fun go make it happen and now it is time for the nfc south win totals all right let's do some nfc south win totals here so we've been guessing the win totals, uh, of course, we don't know if there's going to be 17 games or not. So we're assuming 16. We've been guessing what the win totals are going to be. It leads to a fun conversation. We have one division left. It is the division that a lot has gone on in and includes the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the NFC South. Let's start so that the Saints went 12 and four. They won the division. The Bucs went 11 and five. Panthers five and 11 and the Falcons four and 12. Why don't we start with our Atlanta Falcons? Their win total last year was seven and a half. They obviously went way under. Uh, what do you think their win total will be this year? Six and a half. Oh my God. Really? I'm going to have to take out a mortgage now. You so think I'm, it's gonna I'm guessing be you're at eight. I said eight. Oh my God, this is one of our biggest discrepancies. And I was close to eight and a half, Eric. I, the Atlanta Falcons had a point differential of negative 18. Mm -hmm. 
there were only two last place teams in a division with a point differential of negative 20 or better. And that was the Falcons and the Niners. Every other team that was last place in a division was getting destroyed. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think there was one team that was um, at like negative 78 and then everyone else was negative like 125 or worse. And so the Falcons to me were a not nearly as bad as their record team that had a disaster of a situation culturally and, and like schematically and virtually. Yeah. The whole thing. And I just am such a believer in this, a well-defined, well-schemed offense is the, is the cure for everything. Like it just makes the, the room smell better. The jokes are funnier. Your wives are hotter. Like it's the whole fucking deal. And <laughs> Arthur Smith, Arthur Smith is going to bring the well-schemed offense to Atlanta. They have a top five pick. They can get a legit difference maker. Yeah. Um, I, if it's six and a half, Eric, I don't, we're going to have to spend more than five days in Vegas in May because I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. I mean, I think six and a half is low, but I think it's what's it's going to be. If you look at the really? odds on DraftKings, what are the Falcons to win? They're, they're the lowest team in the NFC South, right? Mm-hmm. And they're 11 and one. 11 to one, I'm sorry, right? Was the last time that was what I bet. I bet just, you know, yeah. full disclosure, I bet Atlanta at 11 to one to win the South. And I just think that like six and a half is assuming a 16 game season, six and a half is congruent with that. The Falcons currently are 12 to one. Yes. And, I, and the, our Panthers, although there's not that big of a difference between 12 to one and seven to one, Panthers are seven to one. But I, that has to be Watson. But then how do you explain New Orleans at two and like plus two fifty? I don't understand that at all. I I don't. And that has been basically the same. I think it was two twenty-five before free agency. So I think it's six and a half because to stay congruent with that market. Mm -hmm. But the other thing, like you do, there are some systemic issues with Atlanta. You look at the the you look at over our friends at overthecap.com, they have four or they have five, six players, I'm sorry, with more than a ten million dollar cap number. One of them is Dante Fowler. <laughs> Another one is Jordan Ma- uh, Jake Matthews, who they can't get out from under, right? That That's going to keep them possibly from Sewell, which we think is probably a good thing. Deion Jones, who's been up and down and, you know, often on the injury list. And then they have three guys over 20. Grady Jarrett, who's great, but plays interior defensive line. Julio Jones at 23, who's a 32-year-old wide receiver who they can't cut unless they want it to cost 18 million in dead money. And then Matt Ryan, who they just restructured, who's a good quarterback, don't get me wrong, but has at times let that team down in some really frustrating ways. I look at that. And then I look at your, your obviously new coach, which we like the new coach, by the way, we like him, but you have a new coach, new general manager. Um, Like we've seen success stories in that realm too, but we've also seen Carolina last year. We've also seen, you know, situations where it takes a year to sort of get everything in order. And I wonder if, you know, part of me is saying half the time, I think Atlanta can compete in this division. And the other half of the time, I think there's, they're, they're using this as a reset year. Okay. Uh, I came, came with a little data here. Uh, All this you can get, by the way, with the PFF edge subscription, pff.com. And you can get it for 30% off right now with the promo code free agency 30. I'm currently looking at Matt Ryan's quarterback annual page. And there are some things that make six and a half, just delicious, scrumptious. Um, Matt Ryan, great from a clean pocket last year, sixth. Big time throw percentage, 15th. 
Now, we talked about this with actually this exact same team and Matt Ryan with Shanahan. His positively graded throw rate went, went way down when Shanahan left. It was like, oh, shit. You can still be a good quarterback, but if you're not having opportunities schemed for you to make positively graded, big-time um, graded throws, you can't make them. And I think that's what Matt Ryan needs, and that's what Arthur Smith is going to bring exactly. I think Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones are a situation of legitimately having two ones on a team, and that is amazing. <laughs> and I, Matt Ryan is a poor man's Tom Brady. I'm just going to say it, okay? Matt Ryan is not going to have, you know, um, MR2, okay? He's not going to come out with his own protein line, but he's going to take – he's taking care of himself in a similarly aggressive fashion. I think he's going to age really, really well. He's the type of guy who's going to work on his mechanics to improve and to, and to keep his arm strength as best he can. And I just, I think everyone is sleeping on them. I'm, I've said this every year, I guess, in some way, shape or form, but I just really believe that now it's like the bottom has fallen out in terms of perception in the public and the market. And I am here to buy it. Cool. Uh, I, I'm, Thank I'm you for coming to, to my buy. TED Talk. I, okay. I look, I think, I think a lot of Ryan and this might be the year where this might be the year where they have, you know, far less impediments to success, both on the mm -hmm. defensive side of the ball and on the um, offensive side of the ball too. But like their offense has never been an issue. It's always been like, they can't stop a nosebleed. So I'm yes. um, speaking of not being able to stop a nosebleed. Where do you huh. have the, yes, the Carolina Panthers? Uh, I have the Carolina Panthers last year when total was five and a half. So I had the Panthers at six and a half. I do. And this is, this is me kind of saying, look, I don't know if they're going to be able to get to Sean Watson in, in large part, because I think right now, given the shit show that is going around uh, with Deshaun Watson, I just see, think it's going to be hard to know for sure, whether you want to trade for him. Like this is a disaster. And the allegations are horrible. And if there's any truth to them, um, I don't know if Deshaun Watson is going to be playing quarterback in the NFL. And um, you don't want to obviously offer a huge package for him. So, well, the, I, the, the two outcomes, right, are he's either Bill Cosby, right, or Houston is, is you know, doing right. somebody's doing some sort of character assassination that would make a trade for him in the next month extremely unlikely yes. right so it's either so, it's either bill cosby or they're doing a 30 for 30 uh next right? year about the greatest like fucking shit show in sports history exactly I mean, but neither one of those has him moving to a different right. team in the next because yep. if, if he like the way that the courts are like this is going to be held up pretty for quite some time right so like we're not going to know whether this is these allegations are true or false or whatever yep. for a while and which is, which is really, I mean, from a football standpoint, from an NFL standpoint, it's unfortunate because there are two teams, the Jets uh, and the Miami Dolphins, who have the capital to make this sort of once in a lifetime situation work out. Um, but right. anyway, it's a so really good point. I, it sucks because, okay, so you look at the Panthers, I actually think, I think if I were forced to, I do think I would bet over six and a half. I really think the team that could potentially stink here are, are the Saints. Um, yeah. And I, I think both the Panthers and the Falcons are on the come up. 
And both of them have an opportunity to add to their team. Whereas the, the saints are just trying to like keep the bottom from falling out in, in many respects. So um, I think it's six and a half. I, I would go over if I had to, which I don't say very often. Um, and look, Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, he's, he's spunky say that, you know, like he's not a guy that's going to lose you a ton of games. Um, and I think he's a guy next year. Like, I think he was a guy that this year we talked about, you kind of feel good about betting, uh, you know, with Teddy Bridgewater, like he's never going to, he's going to be a dog in most situations, but um, he's going to give you a chance to, you know, get through the back door. Um, I know he's your guy and that's probably the nicest I can possibly say about him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, to your point about new Orleans. Um, so this is where like, I throw the disrespect their way. I have them at seven and a half. Yeah. I have new Orleans at eight last year was 10 and a half. I mean, Jameis has never, Jameis has had one wing season in his career in a nine and seven year in the second year with Tampa. Um, I mean, my, my guts, my heart says, you know, bet over with him, but my, my brain says no way. Right. So, but I think seven and a half is right. Which means like, George, do we have a division other than the AFC West where the leader is going to have this big of a, of a win total advantage? I mean, I don't even think in the AFC West you're going to have this big of a win total advantage. Yeah. You have the Chiefs with a pretty big, a sizable edge to win the division. Probably shows you how laying the number with the Chiefs is a bad bet. But, like, to me, I have Tampa at a certain number that's way higher than all three of these teams. Yeah, I'm in the same spot. I mean, um, it's interesting what you said about Jameis. I and mean, you look at, at – at Bridgewater, he was fifth in avoiding negatively graded plays. He did a really nice job there, very accurate. And I do think there's a little bit of, look, if Joe Brady gets a second year to work with him and those receivers, they could be really good. And you could say the same thing for Jameis Winston. Like he has now a second year. The issue with the Saints that I don't think is being talked about enough is they don't, they have Alvin Kamara. Okay, he's phenomenal, but he's a running back. He's catching the ball at most a couple of yards past line scrimmage. And then you have Michael Thomas, who's also not, you know, he's catching the ball seven yards past line scrimmage. They don't have a ton of diversity and playmakers on that offense. They're losing Emmanuel Sanders. They've lost both their tight ends. Like, are they going to play Taysom Hill at tight end? I just don't think that the Saints are, are all that good of a team. And, and that's, again, why I have the Bucks. I toyed around with putting them at 11 and a half. I have them at 11. I have them at 11 and a half. I mean, I think that they're, I think they're very similar to the chiefs right now um, in that they're running it back. They have an established coach with nothing to lose anymore. Right. It's going to be more creative. I think than he had been previously um, Todd Bowles stays, which was a small underdog maybe, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but he uh, obviously great. Um, and you know, there uh, there's obviously things that can go pear shaped for them. Like, I mean, they just signed a kicker to a multi-year deal. Like there are a lot of things that like, obviously long-term, I think once Brady retires, they're going to fall off a cliff, I think. But currently um, to me, they're, they're probably going to be the favorite in the NFC and should be. Um, and uh, I have them at 11 and a half. Just, I, I, like I said, I said, I think this one's going to be one where if you hang on 11, a lot of people are going to, it's going to be 11 and a half before. Yeah. yeah that's a good point. And I, um, I, I, I wrote here, I wrote 11, 11 and a half. And I, I don't, the tough thing about the box, and this is why I, I ended up going with 11, but I can see why it's probably going to end up being 11 and a half. 
they they had a ton of really good injury luck and um and i just don't you know they they won't get that again they're playing a first uh, well actually they're not playing a first place schedule that's a good point um you know so i i, I don't know I, I don't i see that regressing a little bit i think their defense will regress a little bit just like by the nature of the beast but dude tom brady was so good last year i mean so good last year yeah. and there's just no reason to try and predict his demise. I mean, he was third in positively graded throw rate, fourth in, in grade from a clean pocket. He avoided turnover worthy throws and made big time throws at top five rates each. I mean, that's, that's absolutely insane. He was fucking amazing. Um, and yeah, that's why the NFC, NFC East and the AFC East are the NFC South's off division schedule yeah. uh, this year. So you're getting the Eagles, the Jets. I mean, you're getting some luck there um, from a schedule perspective. Um, if you're Tampa, which might, you know, again, I think if Atlanta's hung at six and a half, which I, I can't see how it's not given the the division odds, right? Mm -hmm. If if Atlanta's hung at six and a half with the schedule they have, fourth place schedule, and also getting to play the NFC East, like I, I'm obviously like you, I'm going to go over, which is kiss of death on Atlanta, but um but, you know, it, it also works in Tampa Bay's favor as sort of like a, an opportunity for a 12 and four season is, is right there. It may be the kiss of death, but at least you can sound like, you know, what you're talking about and tell people you've made a really smart bet. So, you, you know, you've got that going for you. You can walk into a party and be like, hey, this is a bet I made. Well, actually, you can't really walk into a party right now, but maybe in a couple months. All right. Uh, let's close out with some draft props. Um, we've discussed a bunch uh in a couple of previous episodes um and we're obviously going to get some more as we get closer um why don't you pick a couple and we'll talk about them here to close out the uh the yeah. show on on dra our friends DraftKings sportsbook they um posted some you know first uh x to be drafted um on the defensive side of the ball and i have a few i i've except for javante williams i've mostly gone with favorites um in those markets because i think that makes sense there are a couple here though that are underdogs that I think are great bets. So here's one. At linebacker, I like of Notre Dame, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromora at four to one. Currently, uh, Parsons of, of Penn State is minus 305, mm -hmm. which I, I, I understand that. Um, but I do think that there are people, there, there's, you, can you see a path to this? Yes, I think some people will see Parsons as sort of like a traditional off-ball linebacker that you mm -hmm. don't want anything to do with. Um, and, and Jeremiah Usukomora is sort of that athlete that everybody's looking for. So that's what, that's what I like. And then my last one, I'll tell, I have three, but I'll, I'll, I'll put two out there and see if you like this here for first defensive lineman taken. I like Christian Barmore yes. at seven to one. This was my favorite Rousseau. Gregory Rousseau is plus one seventy five. Quiddy pay is two to one and Jalen Phillips is uh plus two fifty. I, I look, I can see any of those guys being picked first. I'm just, if I'm getting seven to one at the best player at his position, when you clump two positions together, there's going to be some team that's like, I need a defensive tackle. And if they happen to be, they, they haven't happened to be picking before the first team that says, I need an edge guy. You're winning this bet at seven to one. With the fourth pick in the 2021 NFL <laughs> draft, the Atlanta Falcons select Christian Barmore defensive tackle. Alabama. To put with uh, to put with Grady Jarrett. Yes. <laughs> um, no, I, I, the Barmore one was the one that I had circled, and you know, a lot on the offense side of the ball, we've gotten really good um, 
closing line value to use a term that sort of correctly, you know, with, with Jamar chase, as you mentioned, Javante uh, Williams, we talked about him at seven to one. He's now four to one. We also talked about Najee Harris when he was not the favorite, when he was like plus plus one thirty. Now he is the favorite. He's flipped with Etienne. Um, and we've talked about Zach Wilson, of course, as well. The, the linebacker one I think is interesting. I just don't think anyone really knows with, you know, with some of these less scrutinized positions, a lot of it also comes down to scheme as well. And so you're just going to be in a good, in a good spot. If you are betting four five, six, seven to one underdogs who performed well in college. And you, I mean, just go check it out. Go look at the, the PFF NFL uh, draft guide and look at some of these guys. There's going to be, you can make a case for either of, you know, these defensive players who have been studs to, to be the first guy taken. So if you get odds like that, I, I think it's a, it's a win. Here's another one that's interesting, by the way, where you can see value. I don't think that this one happens, but it's seven to one. It's probably worth a stab in the very same way that like Henry Ruggs was worth a stab last year. Uh, Caleb Farley and Patrick Sertan are both plus 110 to be the first corner mm-hmm. taken. Neither one of those really has value, in my opinion, because like they're basically even much in the same way that CeeDee Lamb um, and Jerry Judy were even last year. However, if a team if a team likes J.C. Horn, like they're going to take him first. And and it's at seven to one right now. To me, the prices of Farley and Sertan make this one, you know, I, I think artificially high at a position where I would say cornerback might be the position where the public has things ordered so much more differently than everybody else does. And in the same way that CJ Henderson went first last year, when at this time he was, I think something like three, three to one or four to one to be the first corner taken. We had Trayvon Diggs and Christian Fulton. All those guys had like props in the first round and I'm going in the second round, Jalen Johnson as well. Like this is a position where unpredictability, I think reigns supreme and allow yourself to, to capitalize on that little JC horn plus seven and a half or plus yeah. 700. I like, I like both those guys. I do think that, um, I do think I would bet on Caleb Farley. Um, I think he's the better one, but people haven't seen him play in a year. I right? like that's yeah. a, yeah, that's a good point. I wonder how much people, I would like to know how much that's being talked about. It's probably, it's probably too much. Same. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, this was a fantastic podcast as advertised. I really enjoyed it. Eric will be back in studio on Wednesday. Um, and we'll be we'll pr- probably getting ready for the draft, man. I don't think there are too many more uh, free agency moves. We might get a trade, so there's always that. Um, but uh, yeah, brother, I'll see you in a little bit.